Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, we release a new episode each Thursday as well as a few bonus episodes every month. And if you subscribe to our show, you'll always have easy access to new episodes whenever they come out. Today's guest is Catherine Canty. Catherine partners with CEOs, directors, leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve measurable leadership change using practical applications. She actually has a Business Vitality Masterclass that is coming up on August the 28th. That's at 12.30 p.m. Central Time. It's for anybody who wants to learn more about how to create an action plan to get what they want. You'll find all the information about that masterclass on her LinkedIn page, which will include in the show notes. Catherine and I spent our time together talking about how to maintain motivation through change, a topic that I feel is so important, and I know you're going to find tremendous value in hearing what she has to say. So let's dive right in. Here's Catherine. Catherine, thanks for spending some time with me. I'm excited to talk more with you. Thank you for having me, Brady. I'm excited to be here and uh, appreciate your time. Oh, of course. Yeah. So you've spent many years working with businesses through change. Tell me a little more about how you got into that and why that's something you're passionate about. You know, change is everywhere. Change is hard. And um, I think I learned at a very early age, as early as 14 that I can remember being a president of a, of a club in high school and needing to create change then. And I think I've, I am just a very curious person and want to continue to find ways to keep that momentum going because that first step is, is very nerve wracking. But then if we can take the second step, it's easier than the first. And then the third step gets a little bit easier again and again. And, um, so from a young age, I just remember just being curious, like, how do we create change and how do we get that momentum going? And I think it's safe to say once that momentum goes, like it just feeds the engine and we want to keep doing more and more. And um, so I, I spent 20 years in corporate and then 
um, transitioned out about four years ago. And now I'm working with executive teams and individuals to sustain that change and accelerate the results. And so mm. it's, it's been very fun to get to see change happen in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And you said a few things there that really caught my attention. One of them being you talked about taking different steps, taking the first step and then taking the second step. And I think that's interesting, especially because of how it applies to motivation. So what I've learned is that there's often a different energy that you need to take the first step as opposed to taking the second step. Or maybe a better way to explain it is you use a different set of skills or a different muscle when you're starting something versus continuing something. So when you said that, that caught my attention. And then you also talked about multiple types of change. So in one sense, there is the change that we pursue or we create. And then there's the change that for lack of a better terminology is forced upon us. And we simply have to adapt in the moment. Yeah. I think that summarizes it well. And you know, I'm here to to talk about any aspect or all aspects of it. So uh, I think I think this is a fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this topic of change is such a big one. As we think about how change connects to motivation, I shared some of my thoughts. What are your thoughts or your perceptions on that? Yeah, um, most recently, the individuals that I'm working with, I've got a, a group of team leaders. I have a few engagements with that, and I facilitate the conversations and kind of coach them in that direction of keeping the momentum. And I work with a very disciplined company. Um, it's privately held, and it's a different avenue than working in corporate. Like corporate has has a different, I guess, way to to create change, and in this particular business that's just growing like gangbusters. I mean, they, they, they walk together, they step together, they talk together and they create accountability together and they hold each other accountable. And, you know, I came from that banking background where there's so many silos in those organizations. So to create change was so different there, but in this particular company that I'm working with, we meet every 45 days and then every 90 days, we, we look at the goals and what they're able to accomplish for each individual team. And when I look at that compared to a corporate environment, it would have been silos and it'd be really hard to get them to come together and, and brainstorm in a very collaborative way of how do we get better as an organization. And so what I'm seeing with them is we had, they had their company goals and then they set individual goals that tie into the company goal of like, how is marketing going to support this? How is sales going to support these these goals? And so they have them set and then we track all their activity and I come in and I listen to what they're working on every 45 days. And then every quarter we summarize it and they're getting stuff done. Like it is phenomenal what they're able to do. And it's, they've described it as just kind of a great collaborative space to be able to brainstorm and flush out the activity that they're seeing. So they could see, and they, they have already picked up all the big rocks that are out there to be picked up. Now they're looking for just a little bit more like that one and 2% more perfection with their business. And so they're having to find the pebbles to go pick up. They've already moved the big boulders. And so it's refreshing to see that, but what I'm seeing with any client is for change to happen, it has to be believed in at the top of the organization. If the CEO, if the leaders of the organization don't believe in that initiative or in that project or in that whatever it is that's that's taking place, it's just going to fizzle. 
and we can pretend that we're going to start something. Um, but if it's not embraced from the top down, it's, it's not going to last and it's not going to be sustainable. And so when I compare that particular example to corporate America, which I spent two decades in, it was a great example of, you know, the team worked well, but did that team work well with other teams in the organization? And it didn't always flow as easily. And it, it was harder to get momentum. I'm, I'm not saying it was impossible because I was able to create change within very large and old institutions, but it's just a different way to navigate the conversations and to be aware of who's got the buy-in and who's going to support you and who are your sponsors along the way that are going to make it easier for you um, to create that change in the big organization versus um, maybe one that is not a $300 billion institution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like one of the big elements of change based on what I hear you saying is the leadership at the top, they are mm -hmm. bought in, they're leading the charge, and then they work to get everybody on the same page. And so you're not fighting with other individuals or other departments about the change, whether it's necessary or whether you're actually going to pursue it, but everybody has the same shared goal in mind. They know where they're headed. They know what they're trying to do. And I guess I'm curious. So if one thing that makes change easier is participating in that change with other people, what are some ways that we can stay motivated if we're trying to make individual changes in our life, like maybe changes more on a personal level? On a personal level, um, you know, outside of, of the workplace, is that what you're thinking? That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I work on this a lot for myself of like, how do I want to implement change? And sometimes I get bored with like an exercise routine. So what am I going to do next? And I like to experiment with maybe different exercise routines and giving myself a little bit of compassion if I don't want to exercise one day. And so I think that's part of the momentum is it's okay to have a break. Give yourself a little bit of compassion. If you had a crazy day and you did the best that you could, then let it be and like, let it be and leave it alone and know that when you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be another day and then step back in and get back on the horse and just pick up where you are. And if you have an injury along the way, take care of yourself first, much like the oxygen mask. You got to put that oxygen max mask on first, take care of yourself first before you can take care of others. And I work with a lot of leaders. They forget that they got to take care of themselves. And so if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of the family. You're not going to be able to take care of the house, the job and, and everything else around you. So I think something that I'm learning is self-compassion. And it's OK if you hit a speed bump in the road, but you got to get back on the horse. And if it doesn't feel right, if walking and running doesn't feel right, then go Google other ways to take care of yourself. It may be meditation. It may be lifting weights. There's different ways to take care of yourself and I think the first step is experimenting and, and Googling ideas for whatever that problem that, that you're working on um, and don't give up and just know that, you know what, if we can just identify all the things that don't work, that's fantastic. That means we're one thing closer to something that will work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I appreciate the way you described changing the goal from perfection to progress. I think that's so important when we talk about developing new habits or creating lasting change, because if perfection is the goal and then you miss one day, all of a sudden you don't have anything to work toward because this illusion of what you thought you could accomplish has already broken down. Whereas if you give yourself that self-compassion and you say, I missed one day or I didn't do what I said I wanted to do, 
now everything is, it's a lost cause. Instead, you realize I've got another opportunity tomorrow to get back on track and continue moving forward in the direction where I want to go. And so I feel like even that little piece of advice there is so empowering. So as we continue to think about proactive change, I'm just really intrigued by this idea of the change that we choose rather than the change that's chosen for us. For somebody, whether it's an individual or an organization that wants to pursue proactive change, how does that process start? I think you have to be willing to have the the courage to say, okay, I'm I'm, I'm willing to explore that I'm going to make a change, that I'm going to have the courage to be able to acknowledge that you want to create that. Um, the particular coaching process that I use is stakeholder center coaching and the leaders that we work with, you've got to have the courage, the humility and the discipline. And I think that still takes place with um, creating change is the courage to, to say, hey, I'm going to do this. The uh, humility to know that I'm not going to be perfect along the way and the discipline just to continue to, to step in every day and, and give it another shot, even though it's not perfect, much like what you talked about. Don't try not to be that perfectionist. And as a recovering perfectionist, I see it all the time, like how I want to make it perfect. But then I also know, I know at the end of the day, I got to let it go and know that that was the best that I had for today. Tomorrow may be a better day, um, but that was the best I had for today. But um, really having that courage and humility and discipline is, I think, a vital part of being able to to create that change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially those first two pieces. So when I think about courage, I think about how fear works and how fear tries to serve us because fear is a protective mechanism when we don't know with full certainty what the outcome will be fear kicks in to protect us from something that is uncertain and so when we think about change obviously a lot of change involves the unknown and so in order to pursue that change we have to overcome that fear of the unknown and we fear it whether it's good or bad it doesn't matter we fear it just because it's different but it's so important like you said to be able to look past that and imagine what could be that doesn't exist yet and then that humility piece to me means recognizing that even if we're in a good position right now it may not be the best that it could possibly be and it takes humility to say Maybe I haven't fully arrived yet. Maybe there's more that I could do. Maybe there's more that I could be. Maybe there's more that I could grow into and develop. And those are hard things. They're easy to talk about, but I think they're hard to actually implement in real life. Yeah, the the fear thing, I was listening to an interview this morning and they talked about fear and I'm pretty sure it was Brene Brown who said, when we can put words around describing what that fear is, it no longer controls us. And as I work on things that maybe used to scare me or currently scare me, you know, I can work on identifying what it is and describe what exactly it is that's holding me back, whatever that fear is, and be able to journal it or write it down or just process it during a walk. It really does kind of set you free from, oh, that's what I was feeling. That's what was going on um, to be able to kind of let it go a little bit in order for us to, to kind of step into it. And to have that courage to step into the fear. And, you know, we, we've all tried stuff that was scary, but when we step into it, the first time we step into, I forgot the analogy, but you step into a dark cave. Yeah, it's scary. But with the first step, your eyes begin to adjust to the different lighting and you begin to see things that you didn't see before, but you never would have been exposed to that if you never took that first step. And so there's a little bit of clarity with the first step. And then, you know, when we try something new, yeah, we're going to fail a bunch of times. But I know 
that, you know, as somebody started my own business, I left corporate, a very secure environment. And I, I started my own business and I knew it was just going to be awkward and wonky and just like, oh, horrible, uncomfortable um, in the beginning. But I told myself, I got to get through this quick. Like, let's just charge through it. Let's just make mistakes. Let's keep learning. You know, opportunities are going to keep coming and just do the best that I can. And maybe next year it won't be as awkward, but it'll be awkward in a different way. And so a lot of that time is let's just go ahead and know that we've all been there. We've all had to try new things. And taking that first step means that we're already one step closer and and we can let some of that that fear subside. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like the only way to overcome the fear of the unknown, like you said, is to step into the darkness and seek information and clarity. And when we begin to get a better picture of what those things actually look like, the fear begins to go away. And we often realize that that outcome, even if it's not a positive outcome, it's not as bad as what we could have imagined or expected. And that pushes us to do more than what we could have or would have done before too. So This is so good. I want to use our last few minutes here to talk about the other type of change. So there's change that we can pursue. And then there's change that is forced on us, maybe outside of circumstances that we can control. So from your experience with change, talk a little more about what's going on there and how we can maintain motivation when we're dealing with unwanted change. Yeah, I remember um, I had an amazing 12-year career at one financial institution, and um, 10 years was fantastic. And then that manager, I was closely aligned to him. He retired. I no longer was aligned with him. They brought in somebody from the outside. And so I had the next two years there and realized this is not what I want to keep doing. Like, I just don't want to be aligned with this manager. Things had just pivoted and changed and a lot of hard conversations. And it just wasn't what I originally signed up for, and it was an amazing 10 years, the last two, not so great. So I had to come to peace with the ride is over. Like that part of my life is over. And when you go back and you reflect on it, you begin to see the different the signs that were happening. And sometimes they're hard to see the signs as they're happening. Um, I remember traveling, you know, six hours to go sit in a, a conference room and this is something that I do in the coaching and I, I do a clients. I'm like, can I, I've got some ideas. Are you open to listening? And I threw that out there just to kind of preface the fact that I wanted to take conversation a different way. And I got declined and I had always had a seat at the table and had always been able to brainstorm and provide solutions. But since that sponsor and mentor was no longer around and they brought in new leadership, it just wasn't clicking and they didn't want any more ideas or Uh, feedback from me and they made it pretty, pretty clear. And so I didn't want that change because it was comfortable where I was. It was fun. I loved it. It was an amazing experience, but it gets thrown on you. And, you know, as I look on it, I realize it's not, it wasn't, um, I think it's just part of what life is like life throws us stuff that we don't necessarily want, but then it motivates us. We can use that to motivate us to figure out, well, what do you do want? Like, you know what you don't want. So let's figure out what, what you do want. And so being able to brainstorm of all the things that I do like, and sometimes people don't even know where to start with that. So we just make a list of everything they don't want. I'm like, that is perfect. So now we know what you don't want. Let's focus on the opposite of what you do want. 
And you begin to think about it, you begin to research it, you begin to almost manifest it a little bit of like, this is that ideal situation that makes me excited again. And from that, new stuff will pop up if we open up to the world and we shift that negative energy into this is what I do want. Like, I know I don't want this. I do want this. And how do I begin to surround myself to begin to feed more of that goodness back into our life? But you got to really acknowledge the fact that this isn't working anymore. Acknowledge the fact that it was great. It was a wonderful opportunity, but it's almost like a, a breakup or a death. Like that was the last chapter. Now we're going to move on to something else. Just like that was an amazing chapter. There's another one after this one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that you did such a good job of kind of towing that line between grieving what was lost and acknowledging that things have not gone the way that you wanted them to, but also encouraging people to regain their sense of agency by remembering that there are things that they can control. You might go through mm -hmm. a change and it wasn't what you wanted, but you still have a great deal of control over your future. And you can imagine not just what I want things to look like six months, one year, three, five, whatever down the road, but you can also think about what you're going through and the pain and the struggles and imagine how it could help you grow and develop into a person who is better than what you were before. That's one thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately with trials and obstacles and all those things, because nobody truly enjoys them. I know that. And they're mm -hmm. often unwelcome and unwanted, but there's so much opportunity if we approach them with the right attitude and the right perspective, which I think is kind of what you're getting at there as well. So Catherine, this yeah. has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so glad that we chose to take it in this direction. And I really value all the insight that you shared. So if anybody wants to learn more about you and what you do for businesses or wants to connect with you further, where can people find you? Thank you um, for having me. Thank you for asking. My uh, website is katherinecanty.com. That's with um, C's, uh, katherinecanty.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. And I actually work with teams and individuals, and we create measured leadership change using practical applications. Because we use practical applications, we're able to accelerate the results. Um, this is based on a four-decade framework that's been used with half of the Fortune 100 CEOs and 100% of my clients the past four years have been able to create measured change as seen by the people around them in their organization. So it allows them to accelerate the growth in their career. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun to support the teams and the individuals along the way. And uh, I'm just grateful to be able to, to be here and share stories with you, Brady. Yes, absolutely. And we mentioned the masterclass that's coming up in a few days and the intro for this show. Hopefully you'll have some people who are listening to this episode that will join you for that as well. But before we wrap up, just want to thank you again for your time and for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you, Brady. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle and it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. 
If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my Midweek Momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, or reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in Chapter 1 of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at BradyRoss.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it.